Welcome to the Mama Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Chrissy and Cindy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. We are so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Mama Needs a Moment. If this is your first time joining us, we are so happy to have you here. This episode is the second part of our expert roundtable discussing the top women's health issues based on our research. The experts discuss the issues based on the perspective of their profession. In part one of our discussion, we talked about cancer, heart disease, and maternal health. In this episode, we continue where we left off with maternal health, and then we shift to the issues of reproductive and mental health. Also within part one, the experts introduced themselves. So as a refresher, I'd like to share who we are speaking to during this expert roundtable. Dr. Sharice Johnson is a licensed clinical mental health counselor and founder of Jade Integrative Counseling and Wellness. Carrie Lett is a registered dietitian and certified lactation consultant. She's also the founder of Milestones Pediatric and Maternal Nutrition. Nicole Wallace is a licensed clinical mental health counselor who also owns a group practice called Transformation Counseling and Consulting. Maris Feely, co-owner of Carolina Birth and Wellness, which is a full-spectrum resource center supporting families at every step of their reproductive health journey. Christy Maloney is a registered dietitian and certified eating disorder specialist. Her practice is called Enhanced Nutrition. Dr. Holly Durney, licensed physical therapist and orthopedic certified specialist with pelvic floor rehabilitation training from the Herman and Wallace Pelvic Rehabilitation. She is also owner of State of the Art Health and Wellness Studio. All right, without further delay, let's get started. I'm wondering if anybody has any examples of seeing this play out in your practice or where you've seen this with a client or a patient, this systemic issue, the systemic nature of this issue, if you've seen that firsthand in any way within your practice. In my practice as a licensed counselor, we often see women who come in and talk about not being heard during appointments. Their pain is I think it was Carrie talked about not being recognized or dismissed. So it definitely is something that does happen. And um, it's very stressful as as, uh, several people were pointing out to have to deal with not only are you going through this life change, but now you're having to have anxiety about are you going to be cared for and supported by the people that you're trusting to take care of you. And that's a hard one to process, even to give someone coping strategies for because we're talking about, okay, so now how do you do a safety plan around your own doctor visits, right? And how do you advocate for yourself in a space where you're actually supposed to be enjoying and maybe even feeling comfortable coming to, but you're having to be bringing maybe questions or bringing a support person and things like that. And that can be very stressful. Then add the dynamic as well of most of these different pieces, like we talked about the need for prenatal care and then potential dietitian support or physical support, even if how a person is caring and they need help around that area, these needs are not centralized. So there's also the barrier to the time, the energy, the cost of 
how much time are they given? There's nothing in any benefits plan I've ever been aware of, whether that's with my own clients or not. And I have a client who's experiencing this now where her primary barrier is she doesn't have enough time to take off to attend the various appointments because of location and the amount of time that she would need and the needing to go during the day while her other kids are there. So all of those pieces really add up and there are very few comprehensive places where a woman can go and say, I could meet here with a midwife or find out about a doula or have that primary appointment and connect with the dietitian and believe it or not, actually see someone for a few minutes on mental health support. We don't often put those pieces together. So then we leave individuals who are already stressed by existing in the system with now having to find the information, vet the information, gear up the, the courage to be there and take care of everything else that's still happening in their life. And so even just, it can be re-traumatizing for an individual who is like, I am already carrying all of this and feeling my body and I don't feel like something's right. And then it is minimizing and dehumanizing to then go and speak with a professional who questions or moves it to the side. There's a young woman who just had a surgery that she had to fight for, young Black woman, after four miscarriages. She's 20-something years old, was constantly dismissed, fought, asked questions, cried, got upset, felt betrayed by her body, doesn't understand what's happening, finally got to something, but to the point of the surgery had to push and push and push for someone to listen just to give herself a chance to not be terrified every time that she got pregnant, it would end up in in a loss. And to experience that again as a young 20-something-year-old Black American, and she has a level of access and education. So let's also acknowledge there's a lot of women of all ages and stages and nationalities who don't even know where to begin with how to find the right information. And if you don't know where to start, you you just don't. And you just hope for the best and leave it up to chance. And the system is not designed for equity. You made so many good points, especially in our field where we see, you know, the aftermath of maybe having been to medical appointments or having had some of those experiences. So one of the things I've started to do was to visit primary care uh, doctors and OBGYN and doctors in my local, like within the 20 mile radius of my practice and finding out that they didn't have a lot of places to refer or they were just jumping on the insurance directory and picking one during an appointment. And so by trying to build those relationships, if they didn't have a mental health care person within their practice has been really important because as Dr. Sharice was saying, not having access or moms who have multiple children and maybe you don't have a partner or your partner is the primary breadwinner in the home. And so they maybe maybe they can't take off to watch the kids. So maybe you have to bring the toddler with you when you're going to the appointment for the next baby. And it, I've, all of you, if any of you have been in an OBGYN appointment, it's not really fun to 
have a little person sitting at the end of the table, right? So those things can be really challenging for moms. And I think a lot of facilities don't often recognize that. We're seeing more facilities try to bring in or become more comprehensive, but I don't think it's moving fast enough. Nicole just kind of started to touch on this with the, this increasing the referral networks, but I want to paint for us an ideal world in which we have access to unlimited resources, a receptive community, and leadership. Let's all just pause for a moment and soak that in. <laughs> what would improvement in this area in maternal health look like? Yeah, for me, it would be a place where you could, where a, the, the uh, connection between providers was a little easier and the referrals were more personable. And even if you could get them in one, maybe not even one facility, but even in one local area. So it would be a little faster for some moms to be able to make those connections. Telehealth has helped, I have to say. It's not ideal for all mothers, especially again, if you have multiple children or maybe your space is not set up for that kind of confidentiality or privacy, but it has improved and um, insurance companies continuing to allow for telehealth is, is going to be really exciting to see that happen, especially in our field in the mental health world. I want to second and like lift up what everyone has said. I think as one of the non-medical personnel or like non-licensed right personnel on um, this panel, as a doula, we often say that I had a client once who called me a professional friend. And that's what we at Carolina Wellness really do is we find ourselves as you know, whether we're providing services directly or like as a conduit, we send moms emails over the course of their pregnancies with us, pediatrician recommendations, with dietitian recommendations, with lactation consultant and therapy and pelvic floor therapist recommendations, because it is such a like complicated woven web of trying to find all of these resources that women need to just exist. I also think there would be a, like in my dream world, more education, accessible education around, I want to lift up especially what I think Dr. Shreese was saying, of, um, there seems to be this like built-in suffering to being a mother or to being pregnant or to being postpartum. Well, you're just supposed to be kind of like anxious and in pain. And I know with fertility testing, a lot of providers will say, come back in six months or a year. You have to have been trying for six months to a year before we'll run any test to like advocate for yourself and to really have to fight against these systems that are just struggle for this long or this many times or for this hard or be in this amount of pain. And that's just like the threshold before we will listen. In my ideal world, that doesn't exist. <laughs> in my ideal world, like we take your pain seriously, even, you know, growing a whole little human and bringing them into the world and being this part of it is so hardcore on the body, but there is a line between what is difficult and what is just not okay. I think having that be commonly known and accessible information in my ideal world would be how we are able to prevent a lot of negative maternal health outcomes of like, what does healthy bleeding postpartum look like? What does pain on the body look like? What does fertility education look like so that we don't put women through this um, or that they have to turn to resources like doulas who are often considered right extraneous or are not accessible, are not underwritten 
women like reimbursed by a lot of insurances, right? Because we're not that necessary, but according to how we pay for these services too, which even within actual medical care is often inaccessible for so many women. So in my ideal world, we have the funding for all of this and we have this connectivity and we have this like taking seriously from like day one and not month six or after so many losses or after so much pain. I think in an ideal world for me, it would be teaching young females to honor and attune to their body because we are still in a generational society that only views the female body as something to reproduce. So we teach a young lady, oh, this is what it's like to have your period. We did our due diligence and no one else talks about anything. And they have no clue about anything until something happens. And that's something that happens is so intense that they're scared. So I think just even helping young women understand the beauty of their body and how it was designed and the value of listening to when it's tired, listening to when it's stressed, knowing that if you're feeling anxious, it's trying to tell you something and it doesn't make you a powerful woman to ignore that, but it empowers you to listen so that it's something that they're more likely to be proactive about versus reactive later. And then as they mature, building in understanding different dynamics around, you know, hormones, or if they choose to be a mother potential dynamics, because I think there can be this aspect of, we don't want to talk about what could go wrong in a pregnancy because we don't enjoy talking about things that aren't happy and positive. But as a result of, of hiding it, then we have this secret society of women who are struggling and hurting and bleeding and now creating community when it would have been really helpful for them to have that information going in so that they would know that there were options before they were kind of at that final breath. So just, I think we need to really just reinvent what it means to be female and what we're taught about who we are and what our bodies are capable of doing and how to love it at every size, at every shape, at every season and through every difficulty. That would be my way of solving world peace. (laughs) Mic drop. Mic drop. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And Sharice, I just kind of had the thought of how much, you know, everybody's like, oh, don't tell anyone you're pregnant until 12 weeks. Cause what if you lose the baby? And it's like, you go through this loss all alone, you know, and, and how, how often do we hear that? Don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. What if you lose? It? And it's like, well, if you lose the baby, if you do have a miscarriage, you actually need people to know, like you need support as hard as it is to talk about. My ideal medical world would be if in every OB's office, there's like a social worker. You come in, you get a positive pregnancies test, you see the social worker. They tell you what your insurance benefits are. They provide you resources. They tell you what medical appointments and what kind of things that you can expect. They just go through it with you because I know even when we were trying for a baby, having a baby, even if you know a lot, it's still completely overwhelming. So to have somebody there that's dedicated to walk you through that maybe you even meet with once a trimester would be amazing. Such good suggestions. I love it. Now we got to make it happen. 
<laughs> Guess what? Everyone has a spine and nervous system and can benefit from chiropractic care. Anytime there is stress on your nervous system, your body may not function properly. Many people are unaware that children can benefit from chiropractic care. They assume that seeing a chiropractor is just something you do when you're an adult dealing with a bad back, stiff joints, or poor posture. True story, that was me for the longest time. For example, as a newborn, you might struggle to latch or breastfeed. As a toddler, you might experience digestive issues that threaten proper nourishment. As a teen, poor posture, heavy backpacks, contact sports, and normal growing pains can lead to your child experiencing headaches, scoliosis, PMS, back pain, and ADD, ADHD. I definitely wish I had known about chiropractic care when I was a teen. Additionally, as a pregnant woman, you might have persistent lower back pain, which chiropractic care can be a huge help for. Believe it or not, these issues are all related to your nervous system and they can all improve with chiropractic care. Chiropractic care aims to improve the function of your spine and nervous system so that your body can function at its best. Don't wait for the pain. Contrary to popular belief, you don't have to be in pain to seek out chiropractic care. In fact, pain is typically the last symptom that is expressed when the spine isn't in proper alignment. Think of chiropractic care as a healthy lifestyle habit. The same way you brush your teeth to prevent cavities, you should go for regular chiropractic adjustments to promote better spine and nervous system health. I've never thought of it that way. Davis Family Chiropractic serves families in the Raleigh area. They want to help you discover the root cause of your problem, address it, and give your body the best tools it needs to heal. Davis Family Chiropractic focuses on prenatal and pediatric chiropractic care, and their doctors are both certified in the Webster technique, which can be helpful throughout pregnancy or simply as an intervention if a baby is breached. Prenatal chiropractic care helps to keep mom comfortable during pregnancy and helps to get your baby in the best possible position for birth. Davis Family Chiropractic sees kids of all ages, from birth through teenagers, to make sure that your child is developing properly and adapting to life. Visit Davis Family Chiropractic at davischironc.com and on social media at davischironc. Improve your family's health before it becomes an issue. One of the events that her health collective puts on every single month is called our conversation circle. It's one of my favorite events that we do really quickly defined conversation circle is like a book club. It gives moms the intellectual conversation without the stress of having to read a book, a, a whole book by a certain date. So for this previous month for the conversation circle, we read an article that was written by Hallie Teco and Julia Cheek of Everly Health. In this article, it discusses how women's health is more than female anatomy and our reproductive system. It's about unraveling centuries of inequities due to living in a patriarchal healthcare system. The article states, for too long, women's health has been solely focused on gynecological and reproductive health. This is because most females experience reproductive health events that males do not, for example, menstruation, pregnancy, menopause. The article goes on to state, women also face the challenge of existing within a system that was designed by and for men. The cost of simply being a woman in our society and certainly in our healthcare system is high. And Maris actually had said something earlier about this. So I was like, high five Maris. 
So my question to all of you, do you agree or disagree with the statement about women's health being mainly focused on gynecological and reproductive health and that being a woman in our healthcare system is costly? Agree. Definitely agree. Same. One thing I wanted to say that I learned this in, in school in a sociology class, but I always thought this was so interesting. And I think it highlights that point. When you think of the word hysterectomy, the root to hysterectomy is hyster, which is part of hysteria, right? So when we think about a hysterectomy, it literally means like removing the crazy. And we haven't changed that over the course of time. And then take like BMI, which was based off of a group of white males. And how many years later are we still being normed as women, you know, against a group of white male athletes at that? Europeans even. So many dynamics to that, that don't consider millions of things that we know and probably... 94% of the medical profession is still male Mm -hmm. today. So you also have individuals that you are coming in connection with, especially if you're talking about like as specialists or as your primary care individuals that have no understanding of even what it means to live or to exist in your body and the the kind of questions that they're going to ask or overlook or dismiss are really going to be based on their lens of experience. And while they would like to believe that, no, we just focus on X, Y, and Z, that's part of the challenge. So people become data and numbers and symptoms instead of humans and looking at their experience and how that all plays in. And that's how our system has been set up. Oh, no, I don't do that. So you go there and that person is going to tell you this and then they're going to send you there and who's there to pull it all together. Yeah, isn't it ironic that the parenting book that everyone went to for years, Dr. Spock, was written by a man and all those years we were were the ones in the trenches. (laughs) So even parenting is, you know, defined by male research. So really excited to see a change as we move forward that women, as we find our voice, can add to these uh, practices, um, especially as a counselor, where the majority of our theories come from white male European aspect of life and trying to now as more, um, we see more women of color coming to therapy, really trying to bring that essence into the room of what we appreciate and what's good for us. Whereas just reflecting may not always be enough, but also diving into history of families and um, call and response type situations where we're talking and affirming and repeating things together. So really excited to see maybe a change as we move forward. It's a slow change, but hopefully we'll, we'll speed it up. Slow change for sure. Biggest thing that I am currently seeing come into the space as a therapist right now is women who ignored the trauma of birth loss. Number one, most prevalent over the last year 
have been women who said, I realize I lost this child or this number of children and glossed over it and it still impacts me. And sexual trauma, women who've ignored sexual trauma, even as a child, because they were told that that's just how girls were treated or as a girl, you don't get to talk about it. So mm-hmm. having that conversation, especially where we talk about sexual health, uh, I think Dr. Sharish, you mentioned talking about valuing yourself, valuing your body is really important as we move forward. Well, yeah, I see you- that in my profession too. Just, you, to, you know, yeah, just that, oh, you pee your pants, it's fine, you had kids, you know, and, or you're, you're not happy with your body. Well, you had two babies, you know, and, and just not thinking that there's something to be done that is just kind of dismissed. So thinking about the mental health component, but also the physical health. And it's not just, well, you can breastfeed fine and your, your baby's healthy and, and the C-section healed well. Like there's a lot more to it than just the medical aspects that it's the person underneath. Yeah. And the number of women who basically live their lives believing that their body is broken and not trusting their body because they haven't been to someone that understands the female yeah. anatomy or not, spe- or not saying anything. Cause they're like, I think everyone's like this, but no one talks about it. Or, you know, just yeah. knowing that the conversation's the, at least the first place to start. Well, as we look at our reproductive health, how can women from every socioeconomic level maintain this particular piece of health with their body, reproductive health? Is there any important information that you share with the women you serve? I think I want to lift up what we mentioned earlier too about, I think, listening to your body. And I think with resources and us as resources within communities, spreading the word on what body literacy look like, on what might be common, but that is not healthy or okay. Like what Holly said of like kind of stigma busting, right? That like, no, you shouldn't be like peeing your pants every time you sneeze because like that might be really common. Like there's lots of memes about it. <laughs> you know, actually like here's what that means. And like, here's also again, like, right. Making that connection to resources that could be helpful. And I think it's also, I think, honest to be able to have a range of resources at every level of access available. Um, but I think lifting up just affirming women of like listening to your body, what is normal? What is your baseline? What is hurting? And what do you love? I think we hear a lot too sometimes like, well, how does it impact your quality of life? And it's like, okay, but what should your quality of life even be? What is the baseline, right? What is healthy and okay and what does that look like and celebrating what that looks like positively and then stigma busting when it comes to like okay that's like not as okay and how can we you know affirm that experience and then connect to access and resources right of like that pelvic floor therapist exists that therapy is for everyone that rest is for everyone and affirming what is a right and not just a privilege I also think there's something to be said about expanding the concept of reproductive health beyond just being able to carry and bring a child to life, but also knowing that their system is a part of what's happening, right? So knowing how are you supporting your body before you even get to that point, Um, knowing that if you want to have a child and you want to start doing that at your late 20s, well, what you do in your early 20s also matters. And it's not a matter of, oh, I'm going to stop doing all of that stuff, you know, today and then next week, I'm going to 
switch gears and prepare myself. So helping us recognize that our body and keeping balance and homeostasis is a cumulative process. And even if we're not aware of the physical signs that are happening or what they mean and how they're connected, those dots absolutely connect later. And it's also about once that child is in your womb and as you go forth, taking care of yourself is going to be so crucial. So, you know, to the prior point, if we want women to listen to their body, then we also have to teach women about pace and balancing their pace and their productivity, because that requires me to take the time to pause and to check in. And so if women are overextended, you know, based on an ideal of what it means to be a woman, they're less likely to then be also taking the time to go, I want to say no here, I want to say yes here, I need rest. So there's a lot of little small daily habits that are overlooked in terms of how they impact our body. For example, the last piece I'll say here is that environments impact health and habits. So even recognizing how the stress that an individual may experience in their home, outside of their home, in their job, primary biggest global factor against women's health is intimate partner violence. So also knowing if they are not in a position or place where they can bring their system down to a place of balance, cortisol goes up, right? Inflammation goes up. Inflammation is a huge marker in terms of predisposing you to later health issues. So there's just a disconnect around what it means to tune into all of that so that you can help your body do the things that you desire to build your family. I definitely think it's important to listen to your body, but also kind of know your limits. If you have that healthcare provider that's not being supportive, then no, you can fire them. I feel like that's a little taboo of like, oh, I can't fire my provider. They know all, but really they're there to support you. And if they're not giving the support that you deserve, fire them, <laughs> especially in where we live in Raleigh, Durham, at least where I live. I know some of you are in Charlotte, but even in Charlotte, we've got lots of options and we're blessed in that. And so if that person's not working for you, if someone else is, and if you are going through something like an infertility struggle, again, just being mindful of your mental well-being too. If you can delete the social media accounts and you can unfollow XYZ if it's causing you unhappiness or sadness to see all of those baby pictures flood or get all of those baby invitations, it's okay to say no. So I think just knowing your limits is important too with them. This has truly been wonderful. All that you have said has just been fantastic. I'm excited to get this out to women to help them fill any gaps in understanding and any misinformation that they might have. One area that we didn't have a chance to discuss, unfortunately, is mental health, which is another top health concern for women. We do have a previous episode or a previous roundtable that was centered on this particular topic, and we'll link that in the show notes. If anyone in these last remaining couple minutes, if you have anything you'd like to talk about in terms of mental health, you feel free to jump in now and share anything. Well, uh, one of the resources that's out there for Black women, but I think it applies to all women, Therapy for Black Girls, 
Health.com. That's been a great resource. It's a Dr. Joy Harden. She's doing like episodes about mental health on a podcast, and then she shares resources. And um, a lot of my clients, I refer them there as well. So that's a good um, space. Healthywomen.org is another great place that I find resources as well to refer women to. It has both mental health and physical health stuff. Uh, so, and then talking to other women, I mean, like just Her Health Collective, like I think that's where we get a great source of information from a source that we trust, know, and like is when, we, when we're with our friends or when we're with other women in another capacity where we can actually get a, a real response for somebody and hear their real experience. Thank you so much, Nicole. Carrie, did you have something you want to add? Yeah, I was just going to share two extra resources. I think those are great ones. And I know Dr. Sharice said one of these in the chat. So just to highlight hers too, the National Maternal Mental Health Hotline is a great resource um, for women that just want, again, someone to talk to if they don't feel like they can talk to someone in their community or in their family or friends. Um, that's a great resource as well. It's one eight three three nine help for moms. Also, the Postpartum Support International has a lot of great resources on their website, and they also have support groups that are free. Thank you so much. And Sharice also said Women's Mental Health Matters, which is WMNHealth.org. Maris, were you about to pop on? Yes, I was going to say, um, I know at least here in the Triangle area, Anchor Mental Health is a wonderful resource for wherever you might be at in your reproductive health journey as a local resource available with really comprehensive care um, available in person. I also just wanted to look up, even related to the last question as well too, that something we tell all of our clients is put on your own oxygen mask first. This relationship between mental health and physical health and reproductive health and the idea that we need to value and care for moms just as much as we do their babies and that to be the best parent you can be um, you have to take care of yourself first and we have to support women in their journey to do that 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 meets across all of their needs that all of these are intersecting rather than separate and so you know making sure that diet and mental health and reproductive health and that it all paints this larger photo or picture about how we can make sure that women are able to parents the way that they deserve and want to. Oh my gosh. We're giving an enormous round of applause to our expert panelists. This has been amazing. And it is also our fourth round table of 2022, which means it's our last of 2022. And so we want to make sure that we express our immense gratitude to our panelists who participated throughout the year in the different roundtables, every discussion has, has been so full of a ton of information that's going to benefit our families and community that we support. So thank you from the bottom yes. of our hearts. Thank you all so much. We are extremely grateful to our panelists who provide so much insight and expertise throughout the year. This roundtable was full of great information. Here are our three takeaways. Number one, the experts discussed how our healthcare system is not designed for equity. Not all women are being heard during appointments. Certain women's pain is being dismissed. There's so many women of all ages and stages and nationalities 
who don't even know where to begin to find the right information. The experts offered their thoughts on what their ideal world looks like, which consisted of ideas like increasing the referral networks, connection between providers was a little easier, pain is taken seriously, more accessible information, more transparency with teaching young females to honor and attune to their body. Number two, all the experts agreed that women's health is mainly focused on gynecological and reproductive health and that being a woman in our healthcare system is costly. The experts mentioned how the healthcare system is approximately 94% male. And if you're going to see a specialist who is a male, they have no idea what it's like to exist in a female body. When specialists ask questions, provide answers, overlook or dismiss a client or patient, they are really basing their answers on their lens of experience. Therefore, people become data and numbers and systems instead of humans and their lived experience. The experts said that we need to create more body literacy with women and spread the word on what might be common occurrences in women, but that is not necessarily healthier. For example, peeing your pants when you sneeze. An expert referred to it as stigma busting, expanding the concept of reproductive health beyond childbirth. Number three, there were so many wonderful resources shared by our experts on the topic of mental health. Please make sure you check out the show notes and listen to the previously recorded roundtable, which is podcast episode seven, where an entire roundtable is dedicated to discussing women's mental health. High five, friend. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Follow us to be the first to know when we drop a new episode. If you've enjoyed your time with us, let us know by leaving a review. We always love hearing from you. Until next time, stay true to you.